Hello and welcome to episode number 58 of The Third Power. This is Anthony Avatolo, and with me is my jubilant co-host, Usman Jamil. I give creatures plus one plus one, because I am jubilant. Nice. And uh, we're here today to talk about uh, cuts. Not paper cuts, not like cut stains barns from like old old school magic logo, but what do you do when you have to get cards out of your cube? What do you do? How do you do it? And uh, what are, you know, you know, just talking about it with as little lemon juice as possible. So, no lemon juice. Lemon juice is amazing. Not in cuts, dude. Oh, yeah. That's, well, you know, you got <laughs> to pay the price. <laughs> the, the iron price, the lemon price. Oh, man. So, so, uh, so we're going to talk about cuts. You know, uh, both Usman and I have been, have been doing some trimming of the fat recently. Uh, it's been a while since I've done uh, a bit of that, and I've been trying out a bunch of new cards from Cons Block. And when I realized that my uh, cube really no longer fit in my box, I realized that uh, needed needed some help. So we we laid it all out and started going through the process. And and as I went through it and learned some things, I and there's been some kind of recent topics and recent things that have discussions and spoilers that have come up uh, about new cards that. I figured it'd be a good time to talk about this. So that's true. Also, like, I forget if I talked about it before, but like, because it's you know summer and all the college kids are out. Mm-hmm. Like the week before this past one, there was 14 people who showed up for Cube at a yield LGS Wizards Wagon. Shoutouts to Wizards Wagon. Even though nobody's gonna listen to this. <laughs> but um, yeah, so there's like 14 people. I'm like, this is all right. I need to make. I need to revamp Popper Cube. I need to. You know, just turn it from the side project because it was drafted like every month and nobody really cared, honestly. And I was like, all right, time to make this a thing, time to trim it up. And then, so I completely rebuilt it. You know, and you know, obviously when you you pool a bunch of cards together as part of the initial build process, and then it's like, all right, so what do I cut from here? So there've been a lot of difficult cuts that I've had to make when rebuilding my popper cube. So it's been very, very um. And also, we just had a bunch of new sets come out, like whatever Dragons of Tarkir and all these other sets. We've kind of vaguely talked about it. Like, we talked about, like, you know, don't be lazy. Like, if a new one drop comes out, like, don't phone it in. You know, don't phone it in and just cut Savannah lines or whatever. You know, so we kind of vaguely talked about it, or just like, hey, you have a new five drop, you might want to wait again and others, but we haven't really gone super deep and figured this is a good time for us to, to do so. Especially since another set's coming out, like, next month. Like, what? Uh, so crazy. But yeah, good timing. Alright, so, like every episode, we're doing a crack-a-pack, but this time we're not using my cube or Anthony's cube. No. <laughs> I decided to uh, look on Cube Tutor and... I did a search for the word crap. Oh, okay. And so I have a crap cube here, and uh, I, I will get back to whose it is, because apparently this page on which I've generated the sample pack does not have whose cube it is. It only has the name of the cube, and the name of that cube is crap cube. Does it allow you to say list or something, or does that say anything? Well, no, no. It's it I, like if I hover, it just says view list or whatever. But I, I don't want to lose this pack. Uh, Not granted, I could just make another one, but this pack really amused me. So 
Yeah, I liked. I, I'm sure all the packs are going to be similar, but uh, you know, there's uh, there's certainly some amusement in this pack. So there's no uh, uh, worm so, engine, right? Right. There's no batter skull or any any of those sorts of shenanigans. <laughs> so uh, without further ado, a sample pack, pick one, pack one, crack a pack from the Craft Cube by user to be named later. And I noticed this one had the most recent drafted by date. So, which is why I went with it. I don't know how updated it is, but it doesn't matter because it's awesome. Here we go. All right. Card number one. And I'm going to tell you what these cards are because a lot of these cards you guys may not know. Card number one is Wooden Sphere. Oh, uh, is that one of the Lucky Charms? Yeah. Whenever a player plays a green spell, you may pay one if you do gain one life. How much does it cost? Is it one or two? One. One drop artifact. Because, like, the, the Dragon's Fang or whatever those cost, too. Right. This costs one, but you have to pay one to gain the life. All right. Card number two, Hellswarm. Hellswarm is one black instant from Legends. All creatures get minus one, minus zero until end of turn. How much does that cost, like, four mana? No, it's it's just a black. Okay. It's just I mean, black. That's still not that great. Right. Hence, Crap Cube. Card number three, Life Lace, <laughs> which is, for a green, you, you get to change the color of target spell or target permanent to green. I almost thought that was the white one, but that's like pure lace or something. Correct. That is pure lace. Chaos lace is the red one. Death lace is the black one, et cetera, et cetera. Jeez. Card number four, Moonbow Illusionist. And that is a 2-1 flyer for two and a blue. And you can pay two and return a land you control to your hand. Target's, target lands type becomes the basic land type of your choice until end of turn. Oh, so you Rishadon poured them out, huh? You just had to tempo yourself to do it. Card number five is Defensive Maneuvers. Defensive Maneuvers is an instant for three and a white. Creatures of the type of your choice get plus zero, plus four until end of turn. Wow. How much does that cost? Four mana. Four mana. All right. It's like bar the door or whatever, but... Oh, yeah. yeah way, way worse from Innistrad. Card number six is Kumano's Pupils. Kumano's Pupils is a three-three for four and a red. Human Shaman, if a creature dealt damage by Komano's pupils this turn will be put into a graveyard, remove it from the game instead. I like that Freudian slip where he said poop. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Komano's pupils. <laughs> Card number seven is Savage Gorilla. Savage Gorilla is a 3-3 for four and a green, which has blue, black, tap, sacrifice it. Target creature gets minus three, minus three until end of turn, draw a card. That seems like the best card here. Yeah. That's a card. Oh, yeah, it's spoiler alert. This this card it was a lot of was pretty good in uh, if I remember correctly in Apocalypse Draft. Uh, card number whatever it is eight is Coral Helm, not Coral Helm Commander. This is the Poly Artifact from uh, from uh, Antiquities, which is for three mana. Uh, you can pay three mana to give target creature plus two plus two until end of turn. But each time you use this ability, you must we must discard one card at random from your hand. And it cannot be used if you have no cards in hand. Ergo, three mana, discard a card at random, give a target creature a plus two, plus two, and one. That's so bad. I I would have loved to, like, crack a pack nowadays. Like, you see those unboxing videos. Right. It's like, hey, look at this. And it's like, and, oh, Coral Helm. (laughs) Next card is Crawling Filth. Crawling the five and a black for, like, some... 
it is a it is a five and a black for a two two fear with soul shift five. Wow, I called it. Was it like a three three? You said no. It is a two two, sir. I was about to say that. I had way too. Was it? What was his name? Crippling. Cr- crawling filth. I almost said crappling. <laughs> crawling through the filth, much like uh, what's his name? Much like uh, Dufresne did at the end of uh, oh god, why can't it? Shawshank Redemption? Oh, oh yeah, there you go. All right, card number ten is Goblin Warwagon. Goblin Warwagon is a 3-3 for 4 that doesn't untap during your untap step. And uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you can pay 2 to untap it. Wow. That's um, that's a great... In case a hill giant was too good. Right, right. It's an artifact creature. Next card is Animate Wall. <laughs> so Animate Wall is for a white. Enchanted creature can attack as though it were in a wall. I wonder if that... If there's like... Uh, this seems like it has the highest ceiling. I don't even know if the ceiling's that good. <laughs> right. So... By the way, Anime Wall comes with a flavor text of Norin the Wary, which says, when you've been bitten with fangs of granite, you start to long for the ivory sabers of tigers. What? He's never been bitten. He just runs away. (laughs) Next card is Arachnoid. Oh, is that like the six mana? It's a six mana, two six. Artifact creature spider that may, that has reach, basically. we, We got our pick. That's actually not, that seems not, the worst. It's a 2-6 for 6 with reach. Yeah. Like, it seems like it blocks everything, It, I would guess, in the format. Sure, I mean, for 6 mana. People, people, you ain't gonna get aggroed out in this format. Next card, Thermal Blast, which is 4 and a red for an instant, deal 3 damage to target creature. Threshold, deal 5 damage to that creature instead. That's not that bad. I mean, it's... It's a format full of 3-3s, three so that's what it looks like, anyway. I mean, it... Again, this doesn't seem that terrible. I mean, it's it's probably one of the front runners for the pick. Next card, Mog Squad. Oh, call the Mog Squad. Mog Squad is a three three for one and a red, but it gets minus one minus one for each other creature in play. Dude, you remember that movie Mod Squad from like the early two thousands? TV show, old TV show. <laughs> it's also a terrible movie. <laughs> and our final card is Scarwood Treefolk. Which, oh, for man. three and a green, you get a 3-5 that comes into play tapped. Dude, that's awesome. I remember somebody telling me about Hearthstone. You know, I was talking you know, about... Uh, I was on his Hearthstone stream, and I was telling about whatever the three... There's like a 3-5 with pretty much Defender or whatever, or a can uh-huh. block or something. And I was like, dude, that's like Scarwood Treefold. He's like, what the hell is that? I'm like, it's like a 3-5. It's, it's from Time Spiral. 3-5. <laughs> right. I, I recently had some people showing me the card game Force of Will. Yeah, yeah, a couple people at the shop seem to like it. I'm just like, this seems all right. And uh, it's basically just magic. And <laughs> it's just like, it's it's comical to me to watch uh, magic players talk about other card games, because every card, every card is just, oh, it's like Brainstorm, but it's an O2 and does this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's untargetable. You know, it's got Shroud or whatever. It's just really funny that everything's couched in terms of uh, magic. But it's all right. Very, it's a very easy context for comparison. Yep. It's like, oh, this is a... Right. Grizzly bears. Yeah, well, you well, you know, it's it's what you do with everything, right? You just refer to something people do know, right? Yeah. But there's very few cards that are just like, hey, this card is unlike anything that's ever been done in Magic, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right, what's the pick? Uh, so I I kind of like the Arachnoid because it's a two mana, 
two six that blocks everything. That's six mana two six. Yeah, two, yeah, six mana two six. Whatever. I mean, that's fine. Two mana two six. Good God. No, two be, mana two sixes. Jesus. That would be that would be pretty sweet. It has reach too, right? Correct. Oh man. Or, or uh, technically, arachnoid may block as though it had flying. Dude, that's OP. That's so good. I mean, it is a spider, right? Yeah. Uh, Savage Gorilla was pretty good. Thermal Blast is removal. Correct. It's, it's expensive, but I mean, it's removal. You can't. Right. Yeah, like Savage Gorilla is awesome, but Savage Gorilla also means that like that's three different colors, because yeah. it's green to cast it and then blue black to activate it. So like, like the the leaders of my clubhouse are Thermal Blast and the Scarwood Tree Poke, because if the if the format's a format of three threes, then how good is a three five? For four. Yeah, it's if the format's a bunch of three threes for five, then how good is a three five for four? It, it stops everything, but it can't block for the first turn. Yeah, oh, yeah, don't want to get tempoed out. <laughs> by the creatures that come down after this one. <laughs> get tempoed out by like seven mana idiots right. or something. Also, Savage Gorilla was also way better when damage went on the stack. Just saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it'd be like, block... Damage on, kill this guy, draw cards. You basically would get a two for none. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. So, can't do that anymore, though. Oh. Merely, you know. Dirty, I guess. Right. Merely a, well, it's a, you know, you kill their guy and you replace your card, so. Yeah, whee! Or maybe you prevent some damage and then kill one of their other guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Yeah, very, uh... <laughs> so, wow. so yeah, so, uh, I think I'm going to go with the Blast. The Blast? Yeah. I'm going to go with Thermal Blast, just because it's only one red in the cost, it's removal, and it does have, you know, it does gain some value late in the game, so it does do five instead a little bit later. I can't imagine these games being over quickly, so yeah, I imagine the threshold might actually happen. I'm going to tempo you out with, uh... Right. With my 2-6. So, so that's my pick. I like it. Although, I guess that's the ultimate safe pick, is this 2-6, like an artifact or something. Right. <laughs> that's like the ultimate and safe pick. So there you go, I guess that's my reasoning. I do like the safe picks, after all. That I do. And I'm still looking for whose cube it is, and I can't find it. I actually went back to, like, the cube summary or whatever, and it's not there. Oh, what's the cube number? Oh, let me find it. Uh, uh, it is cube number, it looks like 25236. Two, oh, wow. Yeah, there's so many cubes on there. That's pretty awesome. That's gotten this, you know, this 25,000 cubes are on Cube Tutor. I mean, that's that's incredible. I still need to actually need to uh, update my cube tutor list because I haven't done that. <laughs> yeah, one of these days I'll I'll do that as well. And I just haven't updated it since. Like, I didn't know I didn't update my popper list till uh, David, shout out to David, um, told me he's like, yeah, you haven't updated your popper list. He's going to copy it for Vegas. Oh, okay. And I think he said he drafted it when he was there, and he was like, copy. He's like, uh, yeah, it's at. I was like. I don't know. I, I thought I had two lists because I think when I Google searched for my popper list, there was two of them. Mm-hmm. I was like, "All right, I guess it's the second one." And then I looked and I was like, "Nope, that's it." And then I just hadn't updated it. So, in theory, when I'm updating this podcast, I'm gonna update it. In reality, well, you know how that goes. Probably gonna have to wait a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hoping to have mine done here fairly soon. But once again, 
Can't say. Yeah. Also, another thing, a little addendum to the last episode um, about Green. Oh, okay. One thing I forgot to mention about it, and I, I guess, you know, we did get on a lot of soapboxes. One thing I forgot to mention was that I don't think the whole Green Signet thing applies just to cubes with rares. You know, I've had a popper cube for a very long time, and I found that same adage works for my popper cube as well. Like, I think for the last month or the last five or six popper cube drafts, like, none of them have been... None of the three O decks have been Signet decks. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, I drafted this really sweet blue-white tempo deck, and I think I posted it on Twitter. Do you remember seeing it? I do. Yeah, that, yeah I played a Signet deck game one. It was like Soul-Tie mid-range, and I just crushed him. It's like, it's like, that's cool. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. But, yeah, I, I just wanted to get that in there, too, while I still remembered. I was like, oh, yeah, how did I forget that? So, yeah, that's my, uh, that's my soapbox. Get into the topic of the episode about making cuts in cube. Yes, let's do that. So you know it, it's tough, right? I mean, there's there there's a lot of reasons why it can be hard. There's lots of reasons to do it, and there's lots of ways to do it. So let, let's talk about let's kind of start with why are we making cuts to begin with, right? Yeah. So what what are the common reasons that you would you that you need to make cuts from your cube? Well, I imagine the first one is just because, uh, well, there are card, new cards that you want to play, and the new cards need, you know, the older cards maybe need to make room for them. Uh, some's kind of, you know, add a card, take away a card. Right, exactly, unless you're looking to grow the size of your cube, right? So recently we, we there was a discussion on this on Twitter about one-drops, especially like uh, uh, white one-drops in particular. Well, because we've just gotten, what, Mardu uh, Woe-Bearer? Low Reaper, sorry, and uh, Dragon Hunter, and both of those cards, and you know, and we and we had one in Theros too, right? We had the protection from multicolored guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Soldier the Pantheon. Soldier the Pantheon, right? So we just got three cards that are, I, I mean, even though the Soldier of the Pantheon might have a, uh, a, it might be a drawback in some way, a, a very small one, um, but the. Uh, the main thing is, is that people are starting to say, okay, well, how many one drops is too many? What am I going to cut? Which ones am I going to cut? And that kind of started on this path, uh, um, and which actually started somewhere else, right? Yeah, I uh, listened. Actually, I don't know why it suddenly got around to re-listening to a bunch of Dragons of Tarkir reviews. Okay. I don't know why. I just kind of was like, okay, let's see how overall... Because I think, I forget how general evaluation was for the set, but I kind of had the feeling there was very few obvious ads, but a lot of just like... Lots of maybes? Well, for lack of better terms, just deceptively powerful cards. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually a good term. Like, Zergo is, of course, a pretty easy inclusion. It's like, all right, two man, uh, one mana, two, two, with some flavor text and another ability. All right, like, that's easy. Whatever, Dragon Hunter, you know, that's, again, a pretty easy ad. But a lot of the other things were just very, like, deceptively good, I found. There's a lot of cards which I don't think were, you know, were just, like, not very, just, like, punch you in the face with how good they are. And they kind of snuck up on people. Colgan's Command, I think, is a big one. I know. I think we rated it pretty well, but I know, like, Magic players in general, and I felt like, just in terms of overall reception, they weren't really that high. Like, on Colgan's Command, I'm like, this card's real good. 
And so I got around to listening to the Magic Box. By the way, shout-outs to the Magic Box uh, with Tristan, Sean Gregson, and Kyle Eck. Um, I don't know if they're, been, they're meaning to do more episodes, but I think that was the last episode they did. And then I was listening to an episode, and they were talking about the whole white drop, white one-drops. And I think Tristan kind of... I don't know if he misheard, or, but he was saying that, like... Um, like, he was saying that I said that there's never going to be an upper bound for one drops in cube. That, you know, there's always going to be room for them. And I remember, at least I know in my review of Dragons, I don't know if I said it beforehand, but I remember at least in Mart in uh, whatever the set before, Fate Reforged, I was like, if you get to a point where you're cutting what, like your aggressive one drops are being cut from decks correctly, then that's when you should cut them. But before then, that doesn't really make sense. And that's kind of my view, and I think yours was kind of just like, I think I remember on the episode, I think you said something like, I'm going to keep doing these, putting these two power one drops in until the day I die. I'm like, oh, that works too. Right. It's, you know, two power one drops without drawbacks. I'm, I I'm, I had, a, at the time, having a hard time imagining there being too many of them. Because, I you know, even when I'm building my aggressive decks, I'm just like, nope, darn, you know, it, it's very rare for me. Now, while I may cut the more utility one drops at times, Maybe something like a Mog Fanatic that isn't like a two power one drop. As well, they don't have two power. Um, I you know seldom, if ever, cut two power one drops just because it's the early game is such an important aspect of of getting out ahead of the uh, control decks or whatever or the the mid range decks that you you need to be doing stuff on your early turns. And so you know it, it might have been some some interpretation of what I have been saying. And you know what? Like, White's getting a lot of them. Yeah. I, I happily added them all. It just means I have cuts to make in other places, you know? Because, like, I think I'd rather have Dragon Hunter in my deck than an aggressive two-drop in my deck. Yeah. I think I um, recently, last week, it was on the 27th, I drafted, like, a red-white aggressive deck. And I think I had eight one-drops. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've had eight one-drops in my Boros Aggro deck, and I felt like one more might have been difficult, but I definitely didn't want to cut any of the eight that I had. Like, I had, uh... And they're all two... Well, I guess they're mostly two power. Step Links, Figure, Dragon Hunter, Goblin Guide, Fire Drinker Seder, Grim Lava Mancer, not really a two power guy. Um, Soldier of the Pantheon, Savannah Lions. All, in, all really good. All cards I would not take out, because that's the bread and butter, butter of the deck. So it kind of goes where, you know, we're getting... It feels like... I recently posted on Twitter about things in development, and I think Sam Stoddard posted some things as well about some things that development is considering too good. And I think we've kind of talked about this on the podcast before, about how certain things, their doors being cut or being closed on certain things, like three-mana LD, for example. Like, that doors being closed, like two-mana counterspells are too good unless they're pretty conditional. Um, th- did you see the thing I tweeted about the one-mana elf thing? Yeah, like the one-mana elves are considered too good for uh, constructed um, two-mana mana rocks, like the diamond cycle are considered too good for development. And like those kinds of doors are being closed, but we're seeing more um, other doors being open, like Zergo. I don't think... I know at least when I started my cube, there is no way I could have seen a card like Zergo ever being printed, or even Goblin Guide for that matter. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like those kinds of doors are being opened, and some are being closed. Like, we're never going to see another good Mana Rock, I assume. But we're going to see plenty of good Savannah Line type of guys. 
And so because of that, there are these certain areas where, you know, making cuts are, you know, happening. For example, the whole one drop thing and, you know, Savannah Lions. And I don't know, it kind of, sometimes when it feels like when there's discussion about them, it feels like it's like a broken fridge that you just kind of have around the house because you need it. It's just like, hey, I got this fridge and it's, uh, you know, kind of smells and it's, you know, noisy and stuff, but... You know, when I get that new fridge, I'm just going to throw this one out. And it's kind of the same thing where it's like, well, I don't need this jackal pup anymore, so I'm just going to throw it out. And it's like, what? But they're still they're still good. But interestingly, you just compared jackal pup to an old refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not even like that at all. It's not big and clunky. It's just it's this old jackal pup. Hey, this is this is. Um... Well, you know, Jackal Pup is, and, and to a lesser extent, Fire Drinker Seder are not necessarily great cards. They're cards you just need to play. Now, I don't know if the red ones are as much cards you need to play anymore, because uh, people have kind of gotten the memo on the mono red thing, and because of mono red's ability to do that, it's been printed to do the same thing over the years. It it functions pretty well without a, a, a bunch of one-drops. Um, but it's still significantly impactful on games. Mm-hmm. I mean, much like Terror, right? Like, Terror is still two-mana removal spell, but there's been so many iterations and so many redundancies printed of efficient removal spells that I think you could get away with cutting something like Terror now. I know a lot of people have. I think I have recently as well. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it just doesn't do as much as it used to because there's just way more there's w- there's way more things that do this same thing. Yeah, like uh, ultimate price, whatever, go for the throat. Yeah, right, and even not necessarily at two mana. I mean, there are, you know, it's just, just the, re- the reason why auras don't find their way in cubes anymore is because the removal is so good, or why combat tricks are really, really scarce is because the removal is so good. Mm-hmm. So why leave in a kind of, you know, a, a very average removal spell when you could replace it with something perhaps more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that's another reason for the whole cuts, too, right? So not only can't, you know, well, although even though we never really hit our uh, stride on the, the one-drop thing of well, what do you do with that? I mean, that, I don't know the answer to that. Of course, it depends on the size of your cube and how much your uh, aggressive decks are winning or not winning for a lack of early game. Um, but like the whole strictly better thing, right? So a, what we often refer to as a lazy change is, oh, well, this card came out and this is strictly better than this card. Ergo, this card gets out, this card goes in. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like sometimes where it's a change that can happen and it'll make your cube better, but it probably isn't the correct fit. I, I think the exception to that rule I found is, uh, I, I made the very, and sometimes to me it's a logical change because I want something in that role, but I don't want a ton of it in that role. For example, I replaced, you know, a six drop Elspeth in for a five drop Elspeth. Yeah, and I think Elspeth Elspeth's hero was just kinda eh. Anyway. And that's right. And but that's a quote unquote lazy change, but I think it's the best change for it. Because it just... it, it keeps it keeps some numbers about the same. It serves a similar role, uh, but I think slightly better. Oh, well, significantly better. I mean, it's a little more expensive, but you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a clean change. And I think sometimes that's there, there's something to be said for that. However, you know, but that, that's a reason, right? So 
when a card comes out, you're like, oh, that card's just the same card that I have in there, but it's one mana less. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Like, oh, well, I guess I should change that or whatever. Like, not that we've ever had it, but, uh, for example, like, the, the, the difference between Lightning Bolt and Shock. Yeah. Even though both have existed, you know, there's not really a time where they, unless you were a modern face cube, pre-M10, and you had access to Shock, but not to Lightning Bolt. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's the only time I th- imagine that could, something like that could happen, but, uh... But for example, like obviously I'm being ridiculous here, but let's say they printed lightning bolt and it now caught and now does four damage for one. Well, you could just replace lightning bolt, but yeah, me. Isn't it better to change something else if we're just looking for the best card, right? Why not take out one of the two mana spells that do three damage mm-hmm. and replace it with a one mana spell that does four? You know what I mean? So there's there's some reason, you know, sideways ways to look at that as well, that it's, it's the clean cut is, is clearly not always the best. Yeah. I feel like there's a, a metal song in there somewhere. The cleanest cut is not the best or, so, or maybe it's a butcher's saying. I don't know. Probably like, uh, yeah, probably some zombie from Innistrad or something flavor text. Right, right. Like, uh, abattoir ghoul or something. That's actually the one I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so you know, so better cards being printed uh, is a reason. Changing the size or the theme of your cube, I think, would be a reason, too, right? I don't really get to play with eight players so much. The most people we ever have is four players, so I don't want as big a cube, right? So I need to go down in size. Uh, oh, I'm adding power or removing power or changing something, right? So there are cuts that need to be made. Uh, or, you know, re- at one point I decided to, I mean, at, you know, take out all the Black Manor or Swamps Matter cards out of the Black section. Mm-hmm. Or recently I took out a lot of the focused green aggressive cards in order to make it more of a ramp color. You know what I mean? Things like that, changing archetypes or, you know, doing more blue tempo stuff, more blue devotion stuff, whatever it might be. In order to get the cards you want to play in, Something's got to go, right? Yeah, and I think that's what happened too. Like when I'm rebuilt, when I rebuilt my Popper Cube, I just kind of like, as opposed to making a bunch of changes, like I think I've mentioned this before, maybe on Twitter, I don't know, but I kind of rebuilt it, influenced by Modern Masters 2015, mm-hmm. and kind of wanting to have more artifacts in there to have like an artifact deck be a thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just gonna redo it just because I just don't want to. You know, I want to try to like revamp it just with more efficient things to do rather than like, oh hey, here's a four mana three two flyer or something that's good and limited that doesn't really just eh. And then I think that was something that I kind of changed and you decided to do more artifacts. It's kind of just like, you know, revamping things, changing archetypes, and I think that was one thing. So you know, that's a reason to make cuts, or or there's more, you know. Uh, I had a lot of conversations when Felden and Dualcaster Mage were printed. Of here are red cards that are a little different than just burn your face, attack you, mm-hmm. right? So or, or Duretti. Like here are cards that do more interesting things, right? Like, huh? I want the I want a color to have more varied things to do. I want it to have a different 
you know, different. I wanted to be able to have different identities than what it currently has, right? So, or maybe you're taking out, maybe you have a card that comes out like, man, this could be good in a few different decks. So, you know, maybe you have to cut something more focused in order to put something in a little more flexible. So, or just the fact that a card you like or a card you've tried just isn't cutting it, right? Yeah, and I'm feeling like um, the the kind of the underperforming cuts, I think, should be kind of like a minority of the cards that are cut sometimes. Like, it takes a lot of playing to determine the underperforming cut cards. Yeah, and sometimes can people can do that um, prematurely sometimes. But sometimes it just feels like if people are just cutting cards because they're not doing well or something, they're probably not doing it right. Not probably, they just, I think, are being a little myopic or nearsighted. I mean, but to be fair, like, you can certainly try, especially when you're trying new cards that come out, I think there are certainly ways you can just be like, okay, I've tried it in this kind of deck, this kind of deck, or, you know, there are certainly decks where you have where you're like, man, this card was perfect for this deck, and it still just wasn't very good. Oh, I know. I, what I mean is, like, so, if the majority of the cards change from somebody's keyboard, it's like, well, this card sucks. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, I don't think that... Right, right. Okay, so you, you're phrasing it a little bit differently than I interpreted it. So yeah, so if that's your major reason for taking cards out... Yeah, then something. Then you're probably right. just being a little myopic. But well, and also, too, I think with the exception of something like Moto, it, it's really hard to have numbers, hard numbers and stuff like that, too, you know, like... So... It, it, it's a lot of extra work, and there's not a lot of data coming in because you know most of us have other things to do in life, and we you know we don't have a computer that tracks all the times we draft. That not only all the times we draft, but our exact same cube that gets drafted six billion other times, and then played, and then with records. So you know we're at a slight disadvantage when it comes to that. Yeah, uh, even like I draft weekly, and you know I track data, and I have nowhere near the amount that Moto cube you know that so, has. No, there's no way. When their cube is active, thousands and thousands of data points are being entered that they can look at. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's this. Right. And then there's one last reason, too, that uh, uh, I see here that you wanted to mention. Oh, like constraints? Mm -hmm. Like if somebody is, like, limiting certain... I only play one Planeswalker per color, etc. Yeah, and it's like, well, then, like, if there's a new... If there's a newfangled cough or something, Mm -hmm. it's like, well... All right, so you have to compare. I guess that's a case where you directly compare things to one another. And there are certain things which are kind of naturally limiting in cube anyway, like, you know, big mana finishers, wraths, mm-hmm. etc. And, like, those, I think, direct comparison makes sense. Blue finishers. Yeah, b- blue finishers. Like, if you're, you know, if you're considering, like, a, a generic blue six-man idiot, it's like, all right. Right. Like big BDIs or whatever, or like in green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That are above six mana. Yeah, it's like, uh, all right, so here's another one. Here's a Hornet Queen <laughs> or whatever. So, all right, so, so those are all, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff we're missing too, but those are all possible reasons for making cuts. And it's something that's, you know, needs to be done, right? You know, I, I guess the, the the last version listed here is, that we could say is the fact that your uh, your cube doesn't fit in your box anymore. There you go. <laughs> there could be one. Oh, and on and uh, so so, what do you do? How do you how do you make the cuts? Like, what is it? Um, describe a little bit of of your process 
some of the things that, that you do to determine making cuts. And, and then we can, you know, talk about some, some other ways and some other methods or maybe things that I do differently and such. And one of the things I do sometimes is just, like, lay out a mana curve sometimes and kind of try to determine weak spots. And sometimes that can really help to determine, like, if you just have, like, your cube and you're just kind of shuffling through it, it can be a lot better, or at least it's a lot more direct when you see just, like, I have this many white three drops versus, well, here's one, and you don't see one for another, like, 50 cards, and then you don't tend to process it. So I think that kind of helps, you know, kind of, um, in terms of determining what gets taken out. It's like, sometimes it can be, you know, I de- tend to do a lot of data tracking, mm-hmm. and I think that tends to help a lot. Kind of, you know, kind of, for lack of better terms, um, objectify things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right term, because of objectify, I'm used to hearing in, like, you know, bad context, like, people being objectified. So I don't know if that's the right word for it, but that sounds, like, correct. Like, or at least de-emotional. These words are so bad. <laughs> ah. But you know what I mean? Like, making it, taking out, making it purely quantitative. There we go. Making it okay. purely quantitative. Make, me, make myself as much of a robot as possible. Okay. And kind of using that and figuring out things like... um determining what decks are doing well, because I think that's something I tend to hammer on pretty hard in the podcast is, you know, it's one thing to have cool decks that do things or decks that can do things. Whether people win with them and do well is a completely other thing and I think is is far more important. I mean, even if I, you know, draft a deck and get crushed, I'm I'm assuming I'm probably in the minority. And most of the time, if somebody won twos with a deck, they're not going to be happy, and it's not going to be a good experience for them. I mean, it, I, sure. I mean, maybe not typically, but I uh, I, I ran a bunch of offers uh, recently and trying different things and, and and liking cards that I, you know, I'm like, oh, this card was good, but just realizing that there was a weakness in my deck, mm-hmm. and it wasn't necessarily the fault of the cards that I was playing, but more a fault of what I was able to draft. Yeah. And I think with that, when I tend to use data tracking, it's not necessarily just very direct. It's not like, all right, this card, you know, if there's like uh, Signets or something, and like, you know, Gruel Signet has a bunch of wins, and Rakdo Signet doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that like one is, one is good and one's trash. It's, you know, there's obvious variances, even with the amount of data that I'm getting in. It's just kind of looking at it. like that Sure, one. but it does have some value, right? Yeah, otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't be putting in all this. I remember that one cube that I think I talked about last week that, you know, I would force five-color control in, you know, or five-color control in and just take all the fixing and signets. He was doing it for a bit after I did an article on SCG about it, and he just stopped because, like, he was saying, like, some cards, like, is it Signet, were, like, undefeated, and he's like, that doesn't really make much sense, or something. Mm-hmm. And, granted, is it Signet isn't supremely overpowered, you know, whatever, but I'm assuming if I was to look at the rest of his stats, and I didn't really look at them, is if, you know, all the Signets are doing super well, that means there's probably some kind of pattern, or at least, you know, something like that, something, like, something's up. Right, right, there, there's a reason for that, right? Yeah. And some of the things I tend to do as well, just to make it very visual, is I tend to um, take the 3-0 decks and, like, make pictures of them in Moto. 
mm-hmm. because it's very easy to leave through them. Partly because my phone camera is terrible, and I don't trust. You know, the the camera quality is really bad, and this also just makes everything very standardized. Like here's a lens, here's a one drops, here's a two drops, blah 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 blah. Whereas with my phone, it would just look terrible because my lesson learned: put a le- put a case on your lens or a case on your phone. Because while I haven't cracked my phone, I scratch my lens up, so it looks terrible. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so, yeah, it, didn't, it was not good. But, yeah, like, for right now, like, I can pull up that directory of the 3 decks, and, you know, like, right now I'm just scrolling through them. It's like, all right, here's this, 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 blah, blah, and it makes it pretty easy and basic. Um, the data tracking I tend to do is, you know, make a data sheet and... You know, note the card, and then it's record, like 3-0, 2-1. And I tend to separate the two ones that hit the finals and the two, two ones that don't hit the finals. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the 1-2s and then 0-3s, and then figuring it out from there. Noting if a card isn't doing well. Sometimes people... And also just noting sideboard things as well, like if people aren't playing the cards. Although sometimes that can be influenced by, to put it bluntly, people not knowing how to evaluate a card. So that can be a thing, too. Right. I feel like I've been soapboxing a bit. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I mean, I asked you for what you do. Okay, that's true. Like, sometimes you'll see... I think I remember Packrat had some slow adoption with people here, and, you know, I was like, this card's really good. You know, people... You know, it had a slower adoption rate than it should have, and then once it hit standard a year later, people realize it, and I'm like, all right. And then other things, like, people having just misperceptions of cards. Like, someone... I think somebody in my group is just like, Dak Faden's bad because he underrated... The uh, the loot ability is like, oh, okay. not card advantage. It's like yeah, but you're still filtering cards and improving card quality. Mm-hmm. And it's I think its win rate is actually much better than Dak Fate or um, Ral's Eric. I don't know. Those are the kind of things I do. Right, and those are and those are more of the statistical things, right? I mean, other things I think you could check too is how many times is this card the last pick in a draft? Once again, not always relevant because if no if it's an archetypical card. Or, you know, something like that, then it's just not going to get picked until to the end. Or if it's a tricolor card and no one's in those three colors that draft, it'll go last. Uh, but I find uh, things like being the last pick and draft and being left in the sideboard, like not making the final cut, I find those kind of numbers could be useful as well if you're data tracking. I think that's a good, like, thing to look at. It's just like, if there is, if that's happening, why is it happening? Right. And it's just like, well... This could be for, you know, various reasons or something. It's definitely a, it's like a sign. Right, it's a tip-off, right? It's a tip-off of something going on, right? So either the it, it's being it's, it's perceived of being in the wrong deck, it's it's winding up as a hate draft, you know, which means maybe, maybe that, that means it's good. Or, you know what I mean, there's a, there's a few different ways that, or if it, you know, we're talking about non-side sports-specific things, obviously, if you're, oh, my God, Blue Blast is being left in the side, we're too much. Yeah, what's going on? You're the on? kind of person who likes to play, you know, if you're like the hate cube or whatever, you know, or like all uh, hate cards. Uh, my uh, canal dredger is in the sideboard. Every, what's going every, on here? Every, every card has protection from a color. It's all like the dormant volcano or active volcanoes, whatever they are. Ooh, oh, ew. I, I kind of want to make it. Kind of want to. Kind of want to make a griefer cube. It's like braids and like smokestack and just like all these like, griefer cards. This sounds delightful. The wind condition would be like a silver nighters. Right, people, you know, people giving up. <laughs> like, if you can, like, remove, if, if someone, you know, basically everybody has, like, the cheese stands alone. So if you ever, like, make your, like, if you ever get your opponent with, like, no cards in hand and no permanence, you win the game. 
<laughs> give up. It's like, right. what was that game you're talking about? Like, if you have no permanence and no hand, you, they have to shut up or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you don't have any permanence in play, you're not allowed to talk. <laughs> Just like if you get all the packs stacked on you in draft, you're not allowed to talk. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, hurry the hell up. Yeah, yeah no permanence. No, no permanence, though. You're not allowed to talk. <laughs> I like that rule about the double stack. It's like, hurry up. Come on now. Yeah. You've got five packs on you. Hurry up. Right, exactly. Stop talking and make a pick. Stop talking about uh, Game of Thrones or something. Or right, whatever. exactly. Or talking about how hard your pick is. Yes, there are, there are so many good cards in this pack. Well, no kidding. Yeah. It's cube. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, but, and so that's certainly one way to do it. Another way to do it, and, you know, this is the, I guess this is the artist side of me, you could do it by feelings. I think there's something to that, too. Like, wow, every time I play this card, this deck never wins. Or, I never see this card being drafted. I've never heard a good thing about it. I've, you know what I mean? Like, I never want this card in my deck, and I feel like I'm forced to play it. I never, you know what I mean? So there's, like, lots of, like, even though they're based on real things, they're still feelings, right? I never see this card. Every time I play this card, I feel, you know, this card is bad, and I should feel bad. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. It was kind of, or, like, if this is, and this is one thing I kind of use in that type of evaluation, is, like, if... And, you know, I, I look at all the decks, you know, because I track the data, and it's like, is this card, like, for example, um, I don't know, like, uh, Molten Tail Massacre, for example, which I think is a solid card anyway. I think people tend to underrate it in general. But I remember thinking, like, okay, this is a card as a curve topper for the aggressive decks. Like, that's that's correct. Would you agree? Sure. Is that is its main role. And then I saw it in, like, these um, aggressive decks, and it was incorrect to play them. You know, I was like, okay, this person screwed up. Like, this isn't, this should not be here. And I would be like, if, and it wouldn't obviously just be one time, but I think it took a few times of that happening where it's like, if this, if this is the deck for it, and this person's wrong for playing it. Right, then, then maybe it needs to go. Right. When, then what's it, or like, what's this card doing? And I was like, well, maybe I gotta throw it out. And even though, you know, like I said, I, I tend to like the card anyway. And if somebody played it again. Sure. But like, I often felt like, this is the deck for it, and, it was incorrect for the person to play it in their deck. So, right. like, yeah, what's this doing here? So I'm just like, all right, I guess i got to cut this thing. Right. Or, you know, uh, drafter input, too, right? Like when people, you respect drafter cube, and they constantly ask you, like, why is this card in here? What is this card doing? This card sucks. This card's not fun. This card's whatever, you know, just like input for people drafting your cube. Or do you have this card? Or when people are constantly asking you, do you have this card in there? And you're like, no. And then next draft. Do you have this card in here? And you're like, it's the same card. It's like, no. Do you have this card in here? No. It's like, well. <laughs> well, sometimes that's based on just, like, um, expectations. Like, sometimes, so, like, a new person will draft my cube, and they're like, is Blightsteel Colossus in here? I'm like, no, it's, no, no, it's no, terrible. No, 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 no. We're not talking about new people drafting cubes. We're talking about people who, uh, which is at the beginning why I said, like, people who whose opinion you respect or whatever, who you can then have a, have a conversation about it. If it's one of those cards that keeps coming up, when you have these conversations with people who are reasonable, you might want to, huh, okay, why is this card in here? And then you can start looking at it in a little bit deeper, you know what I mean? Yeah. All right, I think it's for that reason, this reason, you know. Yeah. I think with feedback, sometimes, like, even people who tend to know their stuff can't have strengths and weaknesses and take sure. into but pe- people's But people have feelings and emotions, and people are important, okay, Usman? Stop trying to devalue humans. Dude, I'm a robot. Yeah, we realize we realize everybody's not as great as you are, but people have feelings, okay? Dude, I'm a germ. Dude, you can't write. They, they're allowed to like and dislike cards, and it means something. You can't just, you know, 
discount everybody's opinion because they're not Usman's opinion. I was trying to find a flavor text of a robot because I'm leafing through my popper cube and was like, but none of these seem to fit me. I'm I'm not I'm not an oxida golem. <laughs> I'm just I'm just no. Usman. But like sometimes. Like with people, people have you know strengths and eva- weaknesses in evaluation. Like you know the guy, you know the, the Dak Faden example. You know I think that person's a good player, but just is Lee incorrect on that card? I, I remember somebody who used to draft my cube thought Balance was terrible and thought Furnace of Wrath was a great card. And I think someone can just be like, oh, this person just has no idea what they're talking about. But that person generally knew what they're talking about, but just had various strengths and weaknesses. Some people, you know, I'm sure you know people who literally cannot play an aggressive deck to save their life. I'm sure you've met those kinds of people. If not, I I certainly have. Oh, no, I, I know what you're talking about. We're just like, and then they'll, like, say, this card's a bad aggressive card, and it's just like, like, somebody who, you know, one of those aforementioned can't play aggressive decks was like, play to GOP's bad, because you'll never trigger the landfall. I'm just like, no. It's like, that's... Not true. That's not really based in reality, and sometimes... Not, not what we're talking about? Yeah. yeah. And some, and, you know, it's like, and obviously you just don't get, you don't become moto, you know, just like, uh, you know, like certain people in, I guess like Randy's been better about that. Remember when Tom and Max used to head, you know, the moto cube, they would get super defensive and not listen. And then right. you know, obviously don't want that to happen and don't want your drafters to think, oh, he's not going to listen and just get defensive because right. that's not going to help either. But it is helpful. It is helpful, though, to be able to answer and, and have a reason. Other than because this card's good. Well, why is it good? Have an answer. And if you can't come up with an answer, then maybe there's something to what they're saying. Yeah. You know, if you can't come up with an answer for it, then maybe there's something else to it. And, you know, for a while, like the, especially when I started my cube, the aggressive decks were something you, I mean, it, it's getting easier to make aggressive decks available in cube. Yeah. Um, from even when we started the podcast. Um, it's definitely gotten easier to, to have it be a viable archetype uh, in, in a cube, but uh, that doesn't mean it doesn't you know need help or doesn't mean whatever, but also means, too, that you need to start looking at some cards and going, huh, is this a card I really want to play? Is this card, you know, is my, for example, I'll tell you one, one thing I did recently where I it was kind of hard for me to cut the card, but I'm, I'm trying it in lieu of something else. Uh because when I looked at this card, I went, okay, it definitely fills a role. It does this thing, and it does this one thing well, but it doesn't see play. You know, this is the only kind of thing it sees play in. The card's frankly not that interesting, and I'm going to replace it with something more interesting for now until I see how everything does. And that I took out uh, Gorehouse Chainwalker and basically replaced it with Dragon Whisperer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a sweet one, too. Yeah. Yeah, that one's really sweet, the Japanese foil one. Yeah, yeah I mean, it looks awesome. Uh, but it's one of those things where this this Chainwalker, yes, it fits in these aggressive decks, but it's kind of a boring card. It's uh, it's the ACDC, or Motorhead. Right, like... Yeah, it's it, like a... It's a 3-2. Yeah, I mean, it's a 3-2 for two. Like, it's the kind of cards you want in your deck. But, like, having Dragon Whisperer, and I looked at it, I'm like, yeah, it's harder to cast, you know, for, for the non-mono red decks... Um, but it's got some more text to it, and it's got some more things going on. And to me, it's just an inherently, it's got more text, and, and therefore is inherently a little more interesting, I think, in general. Yeah. And so it's just one of those things I was willing to change to try out, because 
every time I would play, and this goes to the feeling, like if I went purely by stats, most of the Gorehouse Chainwalker decks I have do very well. Yeah, I think there was one that you posted on Twitter, the uh, the one with Borderland Marauder. Yeah, the black one. Yeah, so I, I'm not. I'm trying to think if that had uh, if that had that guy in there or it not. Had, it had Borderland. It had Borderland it Marauder. I don't think it had Chainwalker in it. It didn't have Chainwalker. I remember it had Borderland, and I was like, huh, but I, I like that guy. But I liked Borderland Marauder, and it was one of those cards too. So that's another good example because I a couple times I played that card, and people would go, "You're playing that card," and then it's like, "Yes." But it's still attacks for three all the time, mm-hmm. and like given the choice between that card and Chainwalker, okay, I could play Chainwalker as a two-one that could block something, and I have this guy that's a one-two that can block something, and they both, but one is a one-two that can still attack for three, while the two-one is just always a two-one. Yeah, it's always a Goblin Piker or whatever, right? And it could switch roles too. Like you go on the offense, and sometimes you need to hang back, and like it does that too. So, you know, so I wound up keeping the Borderland Marauder over the Chainwalker. Yeah. And uh, and putting in the Whisperer, even though it's like a little harder to cast. I'm okay. I think we've gotten enough C cards now. You know, like two drops or, you know, two drops used to be CC all the time, right? White, white, red, red, black, black, whatever it might be. And we really got into, we got a lot of cards that were one white, one black, one red. And I'm okay, I think, going back the other way just a little bit to try to reward the more focused mana colors or focused mana drafters a little bit more. Yeah, and I think that's something I actually have done too, kind of. And on the other hand, while you're cutting Gorehouse Chainwalker, and I think that's something important people may sometimes not realize, is that because you're cutting it out of your cube, that doesn't mean you're just like throwing it completely in the trash. Like it's Oh, oh no, it goes in the on-deck binder. Yeah, and I think that's something like, and I think that's something similar to the point I was making earlier. If you're just, if you're just replacing cards with new cards and not looking back to older sets, I think you're doing a huge disservice to your cube as well. Sure, because I mean, cards definitely wax and wane as far as getting better, including wax wane. That's true. Uh, that split. That's but you know that uh, snapcaster. Right, but that oh. <laughs> That color combination. Yeesh. Yeah, white. Yeah, white like, green. Um, I actually had that happen with um with like my red. I think I've been doing kind of something similar. I, I actually reintroduced um Kargan Dragon Lord. I think after talking with you, mm-hmm. and then you know when I brought in Dragon Whisper, I'm like, I'm gonna try taking out some of the one C guys and see how that works. Mm-hmm. It isn't like, and that's something I tend to do. Kind of small changes is. Whenever a cube update is done, it shouldn't be something like, here's this royal decree, this card sucks, so it's going out, and this new card is just changing your environment. Right, let's, you know, let's, like... let's try this out, let's try this out. And that's something I probably didn't do as much as I should have when I first had my cube, but it's something I'm very willing to do now, is just like, instead of asking other people, should I play this card or this card, this card or this card, this card or this card, try it! Yeah. <laughs> like, I think you get put, put it in there and see, you know, seed it into a draft. You know what I mean? Purposely build a deck at with it. You know what I mean? Like add it to a sealed pool or something, or you know whatever format it is that you play. Like find a way to to play with it and see you see if it's any good. I'm a huge fan of seeding cards, especially when new sets come out. Like I always am seeding new stuff in there. It's like hey hey, uh, let's see how this guy is. And I think Anafenza was one of those creatures. It was kind of strange where yet another a perfect example of the one C into a CC creature. 
to, to try to get something more interesting and and maybe more powerful. Oh yeah, I, I would definitely say um, on offense is more powerful than just like a or a quarter paladin or something. Even though I, I really like a quarter paladin, yeah, but I think same. that was one card where I was just and I think that's something with that is that there when I think I put Anafenza in my cube, there was a string of weeks when I just wasn't able to cube. You know, I just you know stuff got busy. Uh-huh. Or, you know, I just couldn't make it to the draft, and I think it was on three ten actually because I have that directory up of the three O decks. I'm just like, all right, we're seeding Anafenza in there, and then. All right, somebody, somebody will see it because it's seated in there. <laughs> so, and then I think I asked um, the person who drafted him, like, how? I think I heard I texted somebody else who was at that draft. I'm like, so how are the new cards working? I was like, so the person was like, so person A drafted on Fenza and it was really good. And I was like, so person A, what did you think of on Fenza? I just texted that person, and they were like, that card's really good. And I'm like, huh? All right, let's keep it going. And then. You know, it definitely ended up being a very, very nice card. By the way, if you haven't tried Anafenza in your cube, play it, because it's really good. Yeah, I uh, recently added it to mine. I hasn't seen a, a whole lot of play yet, but uh, I think the one time it did see play, I'm just like, nope, no thanks, kill it. Yeah. Like, not not, inter- not interested, sorry, not interested in finding out, testing about this card when you're playing it against me in your whatever, your token deck, or your you know, like a lot of creature deck, or whatever the hell it is. Like, no thanks. I don't nope, wanna... not token deck, but, you know. Lots of creatures, like no, you're good. Yeah, I remember like, and I'm looking at the three O deck that you had, the red black one. Uh-huh. And like, I, I think I asked you, and, like, um, because you know I haven't had a lot of personal experience with Dragon Whisper. Um, I asked, you know, general reception I've gotten from drafters has has that it's been good. And I think I asked you, you know, hey, you know, I think when you said the deck, I'm like, wow, this is really good. And I think I asked you a little while later, I'm like, did you end up making dragons out of it? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm not super surprised, but that's cool. Yeah, like, uh, second ability was live, you know? And you had, like, because you had, like... Got into a ground stall or whatever, and, you know, it doesn't it doesn't take much, right? You have, like, a war gear and one other guy, and it's almost eight power or whatever right there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, and we're attacking. And I think Brutal Horde Chief was another card I'm trying out based on your feedback on, you know, how it had done then. I kind of rotated it out because I was looking for room for the, you know, try wedge cards or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try this. I'm going to take this out and try some other things in its place. But I, it wasn't like, this card sucks. I, like, threw in the trash or anything, but it's like, I'm just trying some new stuff out. Right. So, Brutal Horde Chief, I mean, I was very impressed. I, I got to play both with it and against it over the weekend uh, of GP Vegas. Um, and both times, it was just very good and resulted in an unwinnable situation because of it by itself. Because if you figure, I mean, part of it, it's it's part Hellrider, right? Like the dings, the one life, like the one man, like the one damage drains are certainly not insignificant. And you gain life too, right? Correct. Yeah. Right, so, so you, it's a two uh... life swing for each guy that attacks. And it has an impact as soon as you play it. You know, it's like guy, you know, attack, you know. Attack with my other things. Oh, uh, six mana light, you know, six life swing, and these guys. Uh, so definitely, you know, lost the game specifically because of like basically able to attack for two turns, even though I had blockers, was still just able to attack me for two turns, and I lost a bunch of life and then wound up dying to it because it's just like this seven incidental damage or whatever, you know. Like, like oh. I have a couple of O four, you know, I have some O fours that I can block with, but I'm still taking. You know, a fair amount of damage, yeah, and then not so not so hot against <laughs> right against like oh here they come. Uh, also, uh, 
won a game that was pretty much unwinnable or was about to be unwinnable. Basically, my opponent was about to turn the corner on me, and I was able to basically brick wall his ramp deck, his creature ramp deck, by activating Brutal Horde Chief on, like, the turn after I played him. Nice. And it's just like, all right, well, this mana guy, you know, like, this guy has to block here, and this guy has to block here or whatever, uh, because if he just taps his guys, I kill him with damage. Okay, gotcha. So it wasn't, like, user error for him to play. So, no, 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 no. And it was, you know, it was one of those situations where he has to kind of leave the guys untapped, uh to try to thin out my herd or whatever, but it was just like, he was on a specific plan, and it's like, oh, well, I, I need to be able to block. Also, I only had four lands in play. We, you know, so I play, you know, hit four and played the guy. And he has to, you know, if I don't draw a fifth land or I don't have the fifth land, like, he needs the blockers. Yeah. And I'm like, fifth land, he's like, okay, now we're real dead. It's like, uh-oh. Right. So it's not like, you know, and if, and if like, he, he certainly could have tapped his guys, but then I just kill him for damage. But being able to arrange blocks how I wanted to arrange blocks, uh, you know, or you know, you have like or something like Wall of Roots. One of his cards was Wall of Roots. You're not tapping that and getting that out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There are there there are cards that like that that you're able to manipulate as well, and you know, basically able to wrath him at the same you know at the same time. So. Yeah. So basically, it created one of these can't-win scenarios, where it's like, if he attacks or taps his guys for mana or does whatever, then he's going to lose this way. If I don't do that and he has the lands, I'm going to lose this way. So it just puts a lot of pressure on your opponent to figure something out. Yeah. So I was very impressed with it. And like I said, the incidental life swings, not insignificant. Yeah, sometimes uh, they'll ding. Granted, they don't ding Planeswalkers like a Hellrider does, which is yeah. very helpful. However, <laughs> uh, it, you know, it matters, and, and it's nice. So, And being able to control combat, I think, is deceptively powerful. If you guys never played in the draft format that had Master Warcraft in it, the original Ravnica, Hard oh, yeah. was pretty close to unbeatable. I was about to say, that pretty much was you win. Right. <laughs> Your opponent ain't blocking. Right. Or... We have a fairly even board state, and I'm going to set it up in such a fashion that it is not going to be so even afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I can't kill you. However, I can make you make a bunch of horrible blocks <laughs> and, and you know, and force force things into a, a bad situation. So, Yeah, that's true. I like it. There's some other, like, um, one thing I guess I wanted to talk about as well with, in terms of making cuts sometimes is... Sometimes if a card doesn't uh, perform the role as well as you had hoped, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you put a role, a card in to perform a certain role, and then it just doesn't do it. I don't know if that's kind of similar with the kind of, you know, general reception seems bad, you know, never wins or something. I guess that's kind of similar, though. But if you put a card well, in... Right, but if it's like, yeah, right, we want to do this because this is going to help, and then you have it, it, it's all related, right? And then it doesn't do that. You know, or like I'm gonna put this theme in, like the the uh, swamps matters thing you're talking about earlier. Right, and then you realize you just can't. It would take two copies of Urbor and th- three copies of this card or whatever to make sure that enough are open, that enough are available. Then yeah, yeah, and even like the pipe dream, it, it ended up your or it just was like a pipe dream for the most part, kind of. Sure. Where it's just like, all right, this isn't working at all. I don't think it's really worth it. 
right, yeah, so, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was about to, to move on to our, our, our next topic here. Did you have something else you wanted to say about? about no, I was, I was actually going to say. Oh, you're about to segue as well, huh? <laughs> so we figured out why you want to make cuts, and we figured out how to make cuts, but it still doesn't. I want to spend. I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the common issues, and then seeing if we can come up with a solution. And you know, for some of these, there is no solution. I don't think clear. You know, clear cut. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk about some of the the problems that I have. I'm sure some of the problems you've had, some of the problems I have, talking to people, what they say. Um, and I think for for lack of a better term, I think people form, especially when you're playing an evergreen format that the car you know an eternal format because that's basically what cube is right it's an eternal format the cards are always good is that you form an attachment to cards like you have lots of good memories attached to cards so it's kind of like the it's the the roughness of rotation right like or when a deck gets bad like i really wish i could play goblins and legacy i've had a lot of success with yeah. that deck. i am not playing goblins and legacy <laughs> like I'm just I'm just not doing it, you know. It used to be the benchmark of the format. If your deck could not beat goblins, go home and start over. Yeah, and now the, it's just eh. wasn't the format like goblins, solidarity, and threshold. For a I while? mean, basically, I mean, basically, goblins was right. There was there was a lot of other decks or whatever, but the one of the pillars of the format was goblins. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like the the entry. He was the bouncer at the door of the format. Mm-hmm. Like if you couldn't beat him in a fight, you could you weren't allowed into the club. Yeah, then what are you doing? So, you know. I thought I thought it was like a th- for a while I thought it was like a three deck format where it was like solidarity, it, threshold, I mean, and goblins. It's very well. it's very possible. I don't I don't. It, it's I've it's been so long ago where it gets to that point. All I remember is that goblins was the like bar for entry. And there were certainly other decks, and like the early days of the open system, the open series, I mean, it was game on. Like, I, you would play eight rounds of Legacy and play against eight different decks. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe you'd get a double along the way. But yeah, at some point, I mean, I, I imagine those were some of the best decks. And But, you know, the time comes along, and, and more and more daggers come out against you. You know, something like Deathrite Shaman was really bad for for Goblins. You know, like Snapcaster Mage, you know, gave gave goblins a fit at times. Um, decks that have both of them, you know, so you know there there you know there are issues, and then it got a little bit of a bounce back when Cavern of Souls was reprinted because then you couldn't get Chalice out of things. Yeah, you know, you your like, your guys uh, still just resolved all the time. You could play like what Tin Street for like the Green Splash was kind of free. Right, right. You could, or you could play the White Splash and have like Alia. Uh, you know, to, to help with like the combo decks that were beating you or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, in, in case like the the black path wasn't working for you, I think I played the black splash for a while with access to a bunch of discard in the sideboard, like targeted discard, like therapies and like yeah, weirding. right, 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 stuff like that. And I had like I had you know I had Warren Weirding uh, one or two of the main deck just so you can tutor for it in case you needed it. Yeah, in case they like sneak and show something stupid in play. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it killed many a uh, Sphinx of the Steel Wind with a tutored up Warren Weirding. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, stuff like that happens. Uh, so you form, you definitely form attachments. And, like, I think the, the different att- type of attachments that you can get is, uh, well, it's been in my cube since the beginning. This card has always been in my cube. That makes it hard to take the card out, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, it really does. It makes it difficult. Or 
hey, this is like my favorite card, right? Yeah. This is the first card I won a tournament with when I was, you know, starting playing Magic or whatever. I really remember this card from when I won this thing or, you know, Shiv and Dragon was the whole reason I got into Magic because of the Melissa Benson art and blah, blah, blah. That art was that art is great. Yeah, the new arts. Like real bad. Genesis, I think, is a big one where I think for a while it was considered like the gold standard for you know, for five mana green oh, things. Yeah. Where it's just like, all right, here's Genesis because you can just grind out a bunch of advantage and get back your guys. Like this is what's not to like about this card. Mm-hmm. And then now things have just gotten faster and more high impact. Where it's just like, okay, so I just spend three mana to do this, right? Like, uh, and then I have to recast it. And uh, I remember one of my more fond memories of like when I had an, when I was doing early cubing at Denny's was just like somebody had this really sweet five color control deck. And I was like, I think he had like secure like um, decree of justice and nickel bolus. Ooh. But I just ground him out with like a a hammer of bow garden. Oh God, Hammer Bogarden. Yeah, and I just grounded him out with that, and I was like, "All right, three, three, and then he died." And I was like, "I don't know why. I think it's just because it seemed like such a insurmountable odds that you know he had me up against." I was like, "All right, three, getcha." And I, you know, it's one of my more fond cube memories. But it's like, "All right, that's yeah." And you look at Hammer of Bogarden now, and you're like, "What?" Yeah, three mana. Like, ah, oh, it's on. like three mana for three damage, sorcery speed. Oh, well, I can get it back. Wait, how much mana does that cost to get it back? Five? Would you play Hammer Bogarden if you could recur it at any time, like during EOT? Because the fact that it locks up your mana, you have to, you got to be committed to bringing that back. Uh, probably not. I was thinking probably not either, but at least it gives it some more chance. Same thing with like. Uh... I think maybe if it were instant speed and you could buy it back whenever, I think we're closer. Well, I think in that case you can just, well, that costs a lot of mana to just loop. Yeah, but but you know, but it's one of those things where then if you get into the ground stall or if you're like the red board control deck, and you just have a bunch of mana, you're just like, all right, three, bring it back, get this, bring it back, untap, huh? Didn't draw anything, go. Yep. Like at least gives you something to do instead of like, you know bricking your draw, basically, by having to pay five to get it back. So yeah, that's, But a card certainly is iconic. I mean that card was a ten dollar card, fifteen dollar card. It was a rare burn spell. Yeah, it was I think it was one of the hallmarks of like the, the David Price kind of curse scroll. I don't know if it was I don't think it was played in that deck. It might have been too expensive. No, but... well you're right. And uh that was Tempest, right? And what's the name from Mirage? Hammers Mirage. from Mirage. Yeah. So but like so at least some slightly of those, different. Some of those like early burn decks, it was, you know, great in those. Oh, yeah, no, the card was certainly a, a, a staple. Yeah, and, you know, when I first built my cube, I mean, it went right in. It's just like, yeah, I'm playing this card. I actually have, like, a gold border one that's on my desk next to my bed. I just keep yeah. it there and, like, yeah, the old nostalgia. I, I, yeah, I have a shiny one in my own deck binder. Nostalgia. Yeah. So, you know, things like that, or, or, or people who like to draft a certain card, right? Like, maybe your, your play group always has the guy that loves Teferi or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. There was one guy... Not the Tepri guy, it was somebody oh. else. But, like, um, there's somebody who, who used to love drafting Nickel Bolas, the Planeswalker and Cube. Uh-huh. And it was his last week in St. Louis, and he was going to New York. 
you know, for, cause he's, you know, moving there for, I think, I think he was done with college and I think he was moving there to, you know, for job stuff. So I was like, all right, we're side, we're, I, I was like, all right, I'm not going to tell anybody, but I'm putting Nickel Bolas in here and then I'm seeding it in just for Al. Shout out to Al, by the way. Mm-hmm. So like I did that and then it, like somebody goofed and it wasn't in the seeded packs. It was it, like in the non-drafted part. Oh. I was like, I was like, ah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, who got the bolus? And nobody had it. And I'm like, wait, what? And then, right. And then I was like, ah, somebody can't do math or something. Somebody just goofed. And I was like, man. <laughs> but you know, I put it in just for him. And then after that, I'm like, all right, this card's kind of weak. Right. Not weak, but it's just kind of like, kind of for the commitment that it required and the mana required. I'm like, this probably nah, it I'm gonna take it out. But I put it in for L. And then after that, I was like, no. Right. Like, eh, eh. Yep. All right. Let's see. So, uh, what are some of the other problems in in cutting cards? Like sometimes just like getting yeah attachments, like getting a card signed. People who like a card, um, you know, just like I paid so much for a card. Oh yeah, sure. So yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, so right, I I traded a whole bunch for this card when it came out or whatever, or, or, hey, I finally found this foil copy at a Grand Prix. I was able to do this. And, you know, I was finally able to find an Elspeth Terrell foil, like pack foil, mm-hmm. right? And now, you know, six-drop Elspeth comes out. And I know in my heart that this is the right change, but there's this feel-bad involved, you know? Yep, it's like, uh... <laughs> yeah, I, like, um... Or what like am I, I what am I going to do with this card now? I can't use it in standard. It's not a good modern card. I guess if I could, I, I guess I could play it in EDH or something like. But eh. yeah, like I guess I have to make an EDH deck. <laughs> right. So I mean, I, I could see that being a barrier as well. Um, or what about like, hey, so you know, I have this really great. Oh, I don't know. Mythic rare that was really good in standard, but not good in modern. So let's say something like Baneslayer Angel. Oh, right. I mean, Baneslayer Angel is not a great example because it still maintains some value. But at one point, it was a fifty dollar card, right? Thirty five to fifty dollar card. Now it's you know a ten and like you know rising or whatever. But like there's something like that is a good example, right? So here's this really expensive card, and I have a copy from my cube, and I want to play it in my cube. And granted, not a good example for what we're talking about, about cutting it out of cube, but, and I lost all this value by not getting rid of it because I wanted it for my cube. And now I'm not even going to use it in there. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a feel bad too, right? Yeah. Then it's like, well, I can't do much with this. I got. Right. It's like, I guess I'll hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, this is a problem that I found. This is something I came across, and you know, and there'll be people who don't agree with me about this. But I found when I was going through a lot of my cuts, and a lot of like, this card doesn't see enough play. This card hasn't been impactful enough. This card, you know, like everybody's like, you know, bemoans how it used to be good and not good anymore. A lot of those cards are old bordered cards. They're the older Magic cards before this uh, more power creepy age of Magic creatures, especially. Yeah. Or like Fetchlands or whatever. Like something like Crosenverge, for example, was a, a cut that I made. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, I just don't see this card getting used very often. Like, 
it, it actually is probably a little too slow and not impactful enough at this point to be able to go, you know, turn one land into two lands. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wow. And it's kind of color limiting, too. And it's like, wow, this card just... I, I, I don't need this card anymore. But as I'm looking at it, it's like all these old border cards, I feel like I'm losing something. Because I've always considered Cube to be kind of a, you know, like a living museum. That you certainly want to play older cards and newer cards. And I think eliminating all the older cards, I think... Take something away from me on why I play cube in the first place. Yeah, that there is a chance to to continue to play with these old format staples, old format all stars. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. So that's that's kind of a dagger to me. Like that's that's hard. Mm-hmm. Like or you know I have to tell myself, and the way I solve it is I have to tell myself, this is temporary. We're trying new stuff in its place. It can always come back. You know what I mean? Like, things can always come back. Or, I know I may have said I would never cut a card like this, but guess what? I need to try something else, you know? Yeah, like, um, in my Popper Cube, when I was redoing it, I cut, like, um, was that Faceless Butcher? Mm -hmm. I guess I I won't use a Popper Cube example, because those are kind of, I guess most most people don't really... I'm going to check my on-deck binder, and I'm going to see if I can find some examples of some cards that was like... I don't see myself ever cutting it. I think Genesis was a big one. I was like, I'm never cutting Genesis. That card is stupid. Like, get all the late-game advantage, and then, you know, just never... Um, Phantom Centaur was, I think, one that I think mm. I was like, I don't think I'm ever cutting this, because it's... Another one of the, like, nice memories of Cube, like, early in the Denny's days was... Opponent was, like, on some red something aggressive deck, and I was like, all right, get out this Phantom Centaur early. I think I used a Lotus or something. I was like, all right... <laughs> Get through this, and then he didn't. He died. I was like, right. it took like, him forever to right. do so. Phantom Centaur, put Elephant Guide on it. Get wrecked. Yeah, Karmic Guide was another one. I was like, I don't think I'm cutting this ever. And then, yeah, Chandra Noir. A lot of these cards, he's just like, I don't think I'm ever gonna cut these. And then that ended up happening. I was like, like I never would have thought I would cut Chandra Noir because I mean, it it kills stuff. Sure. It's the OG Red Planeswalker, but right. you know, we we got a. Uh, we got more impactful things at five mana. Yeah, I mean it's still in mind, but barely. Yeah. You know, it's I, I certainly have considered it. Mm-hmm. Consider getting rid of it, and you know maybe all it will take is a you know that I who, who knows, I don't know what it's going to take. Maybe it gets cut by the new. Maybe it gets removed by the new Chandra that's coming yeah. out of Origins. You know, so Although, that way it's you know there are different kinds of cards or whatever. But you know, if if I'm you know it, there's you got to make room somehow. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's something I, I've harped on sometimes. Is just like it's it's uh, it's a lot easier to find out what cards you want to put in your cube. It's a lot harder oh, to, find out what yeah. to take out. Like oh well, that's the sideboarding. That, I mean, that's that's really difficult sometimes when you're just sideboarding in like standard. Mm-hmm. You're just like, well, I like all of these cards and I want all of these cards, but I know that these cards, I know I want these cards in my sideboard, but I need to figure out which of the cards in my main deck are less good than. Yeah. You know, for this particular matchup, which I think is uh, something that a lot of tournament players, both new and, and maybe people who have been around for a little while, don't do effectively is create sideboard plans and know the reasons why you take out certain things. Because I find that taking, like whenever I'm playing a new deck, you know, someone hands me a deck or whatever, I find that the cutting, while some of them cuts are pretty easy, you're just like, oh yeah, these cards stink, these cards stink. A lot of it's hard figuring out what the last cards are that you want to cut. Or when you're playing like a, a sort of linear or a combo deck, 
that there's not a whole lot of sideboarding you can do, even though you're like, okay, I know I want all these type of cards against them, but what do I take out? Yeah, like, what do, I take where, out? what do I, where do I? unhinge my engine a little bit in order to give myself some protection. You know? Yeah, like with Affinity, for example, I think I remember that being a, a, a stark example in my mind was just, you know, you need a critical mass of artifacts, and I'm like, well, what do I take out? Right. It's like, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> this is, you can't dilute it too much, because then you dilute the deck itself. Right, exactly. Or like playing the Storm deck in uh, Legacy. Like, you know, everything, kind of, all the cards main deck are committed to running the motor, like combing the engine, and saying, what point do you need to realize, okay, in this matchup, this part of the engine isn't as important. What's more important is for me to have some duresses or thought seizes or whatever. Or like, I need to shave, uh, you know, a whatever for some cabal therapies or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was actually a thing, but I think that was... Yeah, yeah, I mean, we were right, whatever it might be, or what what goblins do I need to take out of my goblin deck to fit in all this discard? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, what do I take out for the Tin Streets or whatever? Or so that, that weird ally. <laughs> oh, Tuck Tuck. Yeah, Tuck Tuck Scrapper. I wish there was a I wish there was a cube worthy version of that guy. Yeah, they're they're, they're all kind of close. Yeah, and I guess not, since not we're talking enough, about but... cards, I guess um, we can use you know how like in school you know obviously you know these kinds of things, but like. You know, when you give, like, here's how to do a problem, we'll give you a real-world example. Right. I think a, a nice real-world example that actually got spoiled today was, you know, I should actually look up the card name before referencing it. <laughs> the new Indrix Stompaller. Yes, it's, it's a druid. What was the name of that card? I don't even know. I don't know. All I know is I looked at it, I did a creature-type check, and went, nope, that's not really relevant, and then forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> Is it certainly strictly better than whatever that guy is? The uh, Indrik Stomp Howler? Because it's... I guess I should actually name the actual card. Conclave Naturalists. That that goes off the tongue so well. Yes, Conclave, Conclave Naturalists. Four and a green for a 4-4. Four, four. Dryad, when Conclave Naturalists enters the battlefield, you may destroy target, artifact, or enchantment. So it's essentially Indrik Stomp Howler... With a may instead of a must. Right, so I guess that's the upgrade, right? Yeah, that's the, like, and I don't know if I've honestly seen that happen much. Like, it's happened... Yeah, it's a corner case, but it's, it's, it happens, I find it happens more with the three mana guys than it does with the four and five mana ones. Yeah. So I guess with something like this, for example, the, the direct analogs is like, what would you cut for Conclave Naturalists in your cube? And I guess the the easy inclusion is if you have Indrix Stomp Howler, is you make that replacement. But again, right, because it's a slight upgrade. But is but how many of these these effects at five mana do you want? Yeah, and I think that's the things to consider as well as, you know, if you aren't re- on running Indrix Stomp Howler, and I don't know if a lot of cubes are nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I still have it because I don't run all of the like, rando two mana disenchant spells. Yeah that people can sideboard into or whatever. Like, I, I prefer mine to be playable regardless of matchup. You're like, not embarrassing main deck. Right. It's like, hey, here's this... Uh... Even though people will t- plenty of people will tell you that those cards are not embarrassing main deck, that they have plenty of targets. Uh, sure, but... I think it depends. Like It, it, it certainly depends. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's a nice... And I, and I, and I think it, I, I would just rather lean towards 
your, uh, you know, the, the core 2-3 that you kick, or the, uh, what is the, the name of that one again? Or Sanctifiers? Sanctifiers. You're right. I would rather have Sanctifiers and or, or Orangutans and uh, Wickabows. Wicka Wicka? Uh, than... Than Naturalizer. Than Naturalizes and Seal of Primordiums and, and things like that. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, and that's another thing is, like, if you aren't running, you know, this is, do you have room for it amongst your five? Like, I guess is the find what role your card has, you know, whatever card you're planning to cut. And it's like, well, is this, is this performing the role that it's doing better than what you have now? Or are there weaknesses in your cube that maybe you have excess of or that can be trimmed, for example? Do you have, like... I don't know. Like, uh, would rampaging Baylos might be a like might be a cut, for example. Sure. And that's something like I don't know. Then you kind of consider like what, how good has Indrix or whatever the um, rampaging Baylos been? How good is that role right now? Like, is that a card you can afford to cut? Do are the green ramp decks needing this card, or is it something that's rather expendable? And those are kind of questions you should, you know, kind of ask yourself, is to, rather than just like, hey, here's a five drop. Here's a five drop. Oh, there we go. So I think there's certainly a lot of, I don't want to say nuance, because I don't know if that's the right word for it, but, you know, stuff to consider. Oh, no, there, there's certainly a lot of things to consider. And, and you know, or just the appearance of the card, right? <laughs> like, I, it, it pains for me to sometimes to cut old foil cards in the set. Yeah. I'm like, these look so nice. And it's just like, I don't want to... Eh. There's something about that, too. But, you know, and, and but the bottom line is, and frankly, you know, we say all of this in, to, to help those of you and, and to have a discussion about such thing. But really what it comes down to is, if you don't want to cut a card, don't cut it. Yeah, I mean... Cut something else. You're, it's your cube. You can do whatever that you want with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When it comes down to it, you can play whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Uh, but I, I, if you want to be logical and have reasons about it, you know, say that. And I think most people, you know, most reasonable people are like, if you tell someone like, oh, yeah, that's a pet card of mine. Everyone just goes, OK. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, I, you know, won my first PTQ with that card because I had it and nobody else did. So, yeah. Okay. I think for the most part, people are okay with, with stuff like that. As long as you don't tout your cube as the uh, definitive version, you know what I mean? That there is, you know, I mean, the, the part of the whole thing is it's customizability, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you can put in what, you know, you can play with the cards that you and your playgroup want to play with. So, you know, you know, grain of salt with 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 all this talk is that if you don't want to cut a card, but if you know you have to cut a card, those you know, hopefully our, our talk today helped you a little bit about that. And uh, speaking of, I, I I have to mention this too. Uh, I mentioned before the podcast that I was going to make a reveal to you. Oh yeah, something that I had not told you about. It was and not the uh, not the Lion King. No, no, no. And and I've mentioned a few times about how my my cube just like didn't fit. So, uh, do, do you have your phone on you? Oh, yeah. It may take forever. If you're sending me a picture, it'll take like 10 years for me to get it. Cause my okay. So good. All right. Let me think about then, because I have to send you a picture. Okay. So I just sent, sent it to your phone. 
get your live reaction on. Uh, Is it like Karanos being spoiled or attack <laughs> being <laughs> right? Like, oh my god! And that was another thing we spoiled. We it was like, well, breaking right. news. Yeah, I was like, well, there's only so many Is it cards, and right. there's one that's got to go. So I'm cutting Karanos. Oh, wait, picture with this is a cat. Oh, hey, that looks nice. The cube vault. Yeah, Jason like Murray uh, hooked me up with a cube vault nice. while I was in Vegas. Ah, nice. Yeah, uh, you know, we uh, I got a chance to to talk to him some. He he kind of birded the end of my draft with uh, Dave Merton Jones. Um, yeah, he told me he uh, beat you with Lightning Helix. Yeah, he top decked the Lightning Helix and proceeded to to tell me that yeah, we Joneses have a way of doing that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> man. His pun game is quite strong. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, but the whole time we were there, like you know, it, it was great. It was the, the slowest of rolls, basically. After seeing my, you know, uh, old versus system box about like, hey, you should you should look into getting another thing for it, and then telling me about every other product that's on the market. <laughs> yeah, it's called this the 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 Cub Three or whatever. It's oh. by this company or whatever. And he's like, oh, but there's another one. And it's by this company. It's called the this, you know, whatever. And it's just like the slowest of rolls possible. Ah. And uh, and then uh, he was just like, yeah, like uh, on the way out. And he he said, you know, I uh, he said, what's your you know when's your birthday? I said, you know, or how old are you? And I and I told him I said, I was born in August. He goes, okay, where you go? Happy birthday for your next birthday. Wow. And uh, yeah, it gave gave me a cube vault. And I got to tell you, now that I have one, that's yeah, nice. It's really nice. Yeah. If you guys haven't checked in, into them, it is built like a brick S house. Let me yeah. tell you. When I have but, all my cubes, when I have all my cube cards in there, it's heavy. Yes, it is a piece of machinery, man. It is, uh, you know, I have I think my entire cube, all my basic lands, and I have like multiple like deck boxes and like a thing of two extra boxes of dragon shields in there. And a bunch of other stuff, and it's just like, yeah, it it fits everything. It is super secure. It is super nice. I mean, it, you you get a workout lifting it and carrying it around with all the stuff in it, because it. But you can beat off defenders with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not in that way. You can uh, fend off attackers. Ah, there you go. Sorry. You can fend off attackers. Uh, and so, uh, shout outs to to Jason Murray. This thing is is great. And uh, I wanted to make it a, make it a point to, to say something here about it and, and get you the get you the reveal uh, that I had gotten one and I, I'm I'm quite happy with it and uh, I'm sure I will continue to use it for for years and years to come and you know after thinking about it it's pretty ridiculous that I was carrying around my ostensibly very expensive cube in a you know five dollar box. In, yeah, in the, in the versus box. <laughs> Which, yeah. while I like the versus box, <laughs> yeah, I have my popper cube in a just like a one k, and I'm just like, maybe I should upgrade this, but yeah, it's popper cube. It's part of the allure, right? Yeah, that's part of the allure. So it's like this one k box. It has popper cube written on it. Right, exactly. I mean, it's popper cube. It's not prince cube. I was going to. I've been meaning to do this when I have time. Is just replace because um, I used to have Zendikar full arts in there. Ooh. It's like this is too good. No, we're going. And I replace them with non, you know, just whatever land boxes. And then I found a bunch of white border basics that I had. Oh. And I was like, all right, we're doing it. And then so whenever I have time, I'm just gonna 
you should replace them with the non-full art Zendikar lands. Aren't those? I would guess they're probably like the fat pack ones. Yeah, like the ones that that came in the in the uh, return to uh, or the uh, what's his name ones in the packs, like in the uh, uh, what's his name packs, uh, second set World Wake uh, packs. World Wake. Oh. Like the World Wake packs, and then like the or the uh, ROE basics. Oh yeah, those that's no good. Right. But that's exactly it, right? It's just like, uh I don't know, man. White border basics, they have their own kind of charm of... Yeah, they do, but they... Right. No, certainly. Like, revised basics have, like, I think four... You'd have to go, like, fourth ed or fifth ed basics, I think. Yeah. Maybe seventh ed. Or either that or ones that are just, like, been super played and super beat up. And then, like, put them in sleeves. Ah. <laughs> stuff with, like, cre- like shuffle creases and, like, like stuff written on them to be proxies on the back. and. Oh, that's the best. Where it's just, like, rift bolt. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be really funny to me. Yeah. It's like, hey, look in the back. It's like, oh, what is this? Oh, Rift Bolt. Right. Awesome. I have a Rift Bolt in my deck. Here's a common that's proxied on here. Here's a Feeling of Dread. Right. Seagate Oracle. There you go. Seagate Oracle written on the back of an island. <laughs> yeah, I've been very... I don't forget how long I've had my cue bolt for, but I've had it for a while, and it's been quite quite good. So shout-outs to to Jason, because those are pretty sweet. It's, what's the website? CubeVault.com, I believe? It is CubeVault.com. Good old Oakham's Razor. And I got to take a check out his uh, misprint cube, which is insane. Misprint insane. cube is like, is it like uh, like half one card, half another? Yeah, right, right. So there's, so there's a lot of those. So you basically just read whatever text there is on the card, that's what the card does. Uh... What? <laughs> right. So he, basically, the the way he explained it to me, to paraphrase him, is you know how to play magic. You just read what's on the card in front of you. So, for example, if it's the top half, uh, the top you know ninety percent of blue blast, and the bottom ten percent of uh, I don't know, uh, Vizardrix. Mm-hmm then you have a one-mana instant that counters or destroys a uh, red permanent that also happens to be enormous. What? So you just read whatever text is on the card. So it's a a one-mana instant counter to blow up something red, 6-6. That's that's obviously, you know, that's not one of the cards in there, but there are a lot of cards like that that are just like this one thing, but, oh, it's actually the sickest. I thought that's I mean, what it was. I thought that was it. I was like, well, but some, but no. I mean, there are ones worse than that. My worst, I mean, better, like, oh. like more abusive. Wow. So, yeah, it's it, and it's a sight to see. I mean, there are like some quad cuts, like tilted quad cuts off of sheets, what? where you can see like four different cards, but it's not even like aligned correctly, top to bottom. The cards are like cut on an angle. Oh, that's weird. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of just wonderful things in there. It is a it is a thing of beauty. Let me tell you. So, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, I like it. All right, anything else uh, you want to say about cutting cards or any uh, any final thoughts? I mean, we, you know, we talked about uh, you know problems. We talked about how to do it, how we do it. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I, I feel like we've 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 covered you know quite a bit about it. Uh, 
but like it, it, I know as I said it before, it's all very personal, you know. Yeah, and I think I said it before, and I you know I just want to soapbox about it a little bit more is just like when you, when you have a cube, don't just look in one direction. Like, hey, here's these new cards. All right, time to update the cube. Here's some new cards. Let's take these old cards out. And it's just continually craft your environment. Right. Don't be afraid to change things. Maybe I guess yeah. is, is the the big the big takeaway here is that car, the cards aren't gone forever. Put them in an on deck binder. Put them in a box. You know, give it a vacation. Give it a rest. Maybe a, you know, maybe a tour its ACL. Maybe it's you know got turf toe or plantar fasciitis. I think that's one thing that, like, you know, sometimes, like, is this card better than this card, or is this card any good? You get a lot more value out of just trying the card out, I think, mm -hmm. and being like, all right, so I'm going to go and speculate about this card. Maybe it's good. It might be good. I don't know. It could be good. It's just, like, just try the card out. If it sucks, just take it out. It's not going to kill you. If it does, then... Um, right, then you don't have to worry about putting it back in anyway. <laughs> You're fine. Because you're dead. It's like because oh. you're dead. You're dead. <laughs> but yeah, I um, yeah, just I think, yeah, just don't cut any. I think there are a few things that I think should leave your cube forever. And I think if you don't have an on deck binder or box for your cube, definitely, definitely do so. I think it's definitely one of the most useful tools to have as a cube designer mm. is to be able to, you know, look at all the options. Be like, all right, so what. Are all of the options I've tried, or is just like, what could I do? As opposed to, okay, here's this, like, not throwing Gorehouse Chainwalker under the bus, like you said, but trying out something else and seeing how that compares. Right. Which I think is really good. Yeah, I think that's about everything I can think of. <laughs> yeah, don't be afraid. I mean, I, I was afraid for a long time to, to try new things, and I want to get rid of things. Because, you know, there I always... You know, give people a hard time about the I cut it and didn't miss it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I don't think that's a very good metric to go by because out of sight, out of mind most of the time. And unless you're drafting your entire cube every single time, you, it's hard to miss a card when it might not even be getting opened all the time. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when you're like on some social media and you haven't heard from somebody in like three months. Mm -hmm. It's like, whatever happened to so-and-so, like, it takes, you don't realize that person's, like, say somebody died on Facebook, like, you know somebody on Facebook and they die. Uh -huh. You don't realize that the day after they stop posting, it's going to take months. Right. And I think that's like, what actually hey, happens. whatever yeah. happened to that person? Yeah, it's like, yeah, whatever happened, or it's like, this person just, like, you know, hey, I wonder what, I haven't heard anything from so-and-so in, like, four months, and it's like, oh, this person unfriended me or something. Or something like that, where it just takes a lot longer to do so than, you know, just like, oh, didn't miss it. Right. Sometimes you can see that happen when cards that rely on others, like if you have a natural order package, and say your natural order package is like Avenger, Hornet Queen, Terracidon, mm -hmm. Primus, and Craterhoof, and you cut Craterhoof or something, or cut Terracidon... Like, in those cases, it's just like, man, where's that Terrasson or something? You know, it takes, because it relies on that specific aspect of it, that certain mm -hmm. toolbox being there, that could be a part. But, yeah, generally it tends to take a lot longer for people to actually realize it than, than how long it actually does. 
Right, which is why I'm you know not a huge fan of that because I mean you could I mean you could cut lightning bolt from your cube, and if mm-hmm. it's big enough with enough people, it's going to take a while to go. Hey, where's lightning bolt? Yeah, <laughs> and to go you know what I mean like what's you know like what's going on like how come I haven't seen this card? And I've had to do that a couple times. There there have been times where I've gone, is this still in my cube? Did yeah. someone take it? Like because I just haven't seen it, and I have to like then go back through and I go oh okay there it is. Like, that happened to me, actually, too, I think. But I forget what card it was. I think it may have been, like, I don't know, some, like, Glanor Elf or something. It was something yeah. where it isn't, like, super, super hugely impactful. Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, if you don't have Stoneforge Mystic, it's like, man, whatever happened to Stoneforge Mystic? Right. And it's like, oh, wasn't there. Well, yeah, in my cleaning up of my cube, I did realize there is a card missing. Uh, from the last time I saw it was pre-Vegas. Oh. So I got to look for it. I'm wondering if it matriculated somewhere else. Um, it's possible that it's got stuck in my on deck binder. Um, it didn't matriculate in somebody's pocket. No, I, and I don't. You know, I, and not that I would think that that. You know that you mean I would never accuse anybody of uh, who I drafted with because I still draft with people who I don't like or know or can be vouched for, yeah. basically. But, you know, it, hopefully it wasn't, like, left on a table and then picked up or whatever. But I, th- it's just possible it may have been put back into my on-deck binder for archival purposes. Yeah. And I just never added it because I didn't make a cut. But um, my uh, my foil Nykthos oh. is, you know, it's not that, like it's an expensive, super expensive card or anything. But I, I, I noticed that when I was going through my things. And I'm like, you know, when I, you know, I took out the Croson version, I'm like... Yeah, I'll just do this for the Nykthos or whatever that's already in there. And then I went through it and I'm like, wait a second, where's the Nykthos? Like, I don't see it. Like, so Where's the cat? Right, where's so, the... oh yeah, right, the, the where's the cat game before I leave to go someplace. Oh yeah. Oh, I, lo- I looked everywhere, I have no idea where they are, and you're like, well man, this really stinks. Like, I really wanted to know where they are. And then you walk back into the first room and they're like sitting in the middle of the floor like, what? <laughs> it's like, oh hey. <laughs> oh, it's like, were you looking for me? Sorry, my bad. I was in a place you have no idea about. I'm going like, to be there again when you leave next time, too. What do you think about that, Batman? It's like, hey, I'm under the bed. So oh, yeah. Well, no, I I'm already, I already know that trick. <laughs> I already know that location. There, I swear there's still a couple nooks and crannies around that I have no idea where they are. I have to go through, like, the checklist of them. Like, all right, and over here, over here, over here. And they find us someplace else, and you're like, yep, no idea that was the thing. <laughs> okay. Man. Fair enough. You win. Hide and seek. Well, I guess I win since I found you. That's Sometimes fair. you win because you come out, but whatever. It's like... Oh hey, <laughs> it's me. Would, wouldn't be an episode without without some uh, cat talk. So this is true. We just talk about the uh, the Lion King thing. This is true with the with the spoil. <laughs> I was like, man. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't get through an episode without singing something. That's true. <laughs> God, we were... all I could say is that the whole Goifgate thing. Every single time I heard the discussion in my mind is is just going oh, burst lightning, world oh, yeah. on fire, burst lightning, oh burst lightning, like the whole time it's going oh god, everything <laughs> uh, 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 uh. here burst lightning, like I, literally it's like one of those things where if I had an internal monologue cam every time I read something and read burst lightning my mind went go burst lightning, <laughs> like every time I read it it's like burst lightning, go burst lightning, like. Every single time, so... Wow. To be fair, I've been, <laughs> been, a, been a tortured soul. Speaking of singing, um, you were on... Um, has it gone up yet, the MTG in 3D? No, I have not seen it yet. 
uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I, it maybe just take a little longer to edit. I mean, people always get busy and have real life. Too, yeah, or I whatever. Can't, I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh huh. <laughs> Asking what happened, what other people happened in episodes. Hey, what happened to your guys' episode? So, uh, but that's in the queue for when that comes up. Yeah, so that should be coming out soon. I, I did an episode uh, with the uh, MTG and 3D guys, which was uh, was a good time. I had a great time. Hopefully that'll that'll be out sooner rather than later. Uh, so if you're if you're listening to this and that still hasn't come out, give them a poke and be like, hey, yeah, what happened to that episode? What happened? <laughs> so uh, it's a lot of fun. They went to GP Vegas. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. What? Uh, how'd you describe GP Vegas? Unlike anything I've ever experienced before in Magic, I'm holy mackerel. I'm actually go, like I'm definitely gonna have to go. Like I punted by not going this year. Yeah, I mean it was crazy the first time, and there were twice as many people or more this time. Wow. So I mean it was just absurd, you know. And and if and when, I mean you can't imagine if they're not going to do something like this again. Uh, of course they are, uh, but sheesh, like. It, it, it was unlike any experience. I mean, I, I've never been in a Magic tournament where it can be so hard to try to organize or find people. Like, I found that people were there, like, after the weekend was over, and I was like, oh, wow, I had no idea they were there. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, or trying to coordinate schedules. Like, I, I was really trying to get out to the heavy meta uh, SVU house oh, to yeah, do some cube drafting or whatever. Yeah. And it's like I was in communication with those guys, but it was like I'm involved in a cube draft, and then I have to go, you know, then I'm going to dinner with my ride and then we're leaving for here and it was just like trying to coordinate everything was was tough with, with so many different moving pieces you know and i've had that happen like to a much smaller degree at like gen con or like when i would go to gps and i would assume at vegas it was just like that times a thousand. Oh, oh yeah i mean it's it was crazy i mean it, it was absurd it, it also absurd and kind of sad that like you know i'm around you know, like, have an opportunity actually to cube with Tristan mm-hmm. and, like, just missed. Oh, you know, yeah. like, got to, you know, yeah, but, you know, it was cool. Got to see a lot of people who were fans of the show, and, you know, people got those, the nifty t-shirts. So uh, I brought the t-shirts, the Third Power, the official Third Power podcast t-shirts, uh, of which, you know, I have one for you. I'll be going to the post office tomorrow to, to mail out a bunch. Sweet. So yours will be on its way. They actually turned out quite nicely. I think you'll be impressed. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I had a, you know, I was able to get, you know, about 20 or so people to make them. If, if people who are listening to this are interested in, you know, I'll post a picture of one, uh, online or whatever, uh, when this goes up or I'll do it on my, you know, whatever social media outlets. Uh, I basically waited too long and only had about 24 hours for people to let people know if they're interested in one. Oh. Uh, but this could be, you know, if you do see one and you are interested in one, please drop me a line. If I, if I get enough. Uh, if there are enough people who want them, we could always do something like a Teespring thing. But the shirts I had made locally are really nice. Like the the uh, the the screening, you're, when you see it and feel it, it's going to be like, oh wow, this is actually really really nice. It's probably the nicest screen T-shirt I've ever seen. Oh wow! I mean, it's I, I grant it's been a while since I've had screen T-shirts made, so you know I don't and I don't wear a whole lot of T-shirts. In my daily daily life anymore, so it's not like I buy a bunch. But I was really impressed with these. I was like, "Wow, these actually turned out quite nicely." So, so you'll be seeing yours soon. And if people out there are interested, hit me up, let me know, and uh, we get a big enough order out there. You know, we we can order some more, or maybe we can do like I said, or do something like a Teespring. You know what I mean, where people can just kind of order online and 
and get it shipped to them, and I won't have to do all the legwork because uh, I just basically sold all of them at uh, cost. Like basically, I you know I didn't make any money off of anything. I just wanted people to get. I, I just wanted us to have some sort of product for a while, and decided that Vegas would be a good time to do it. Nice. So, I like it. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and it was nice to see people around, and it was you know able to have conversations with a lot of people because they saw others wearing the shirts, and they're like. Oh hey, you know whatever. Like I know you know show is is Anthony here, and then you know be able to catch up with people that way. So yeah, it was cool. It was cool. It was a it was a great time. So you should definitely not miss. Yeah, I'm not trying not to punt next next time. <laughs> so yeah, st- strike two. You're not allowed to, to miss the third one. I was about to say yeah, no strike, no strike three. Yeah, strike three. You out. So. <laughs> don't don't kick me out. <laughs> you out. Buying a replacement. Here's the third power featuring a cat. Right. Here's me and Bobby. <laughs> it's good to say Regal Rail Master and you probably get a Ooh, close right, right. <laughs> So uh yeah. It it'd be real productive. So be like, so what do you think about this? Yeah, me too. By the way, for for those wondering, let me say it again, for those doubters out there, Reckless Wave is a house. A freaking uh, house. And a half. Oh, yeah, because it was in that deck. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I played it on turn one a lot. And guess what? It did a lot of damage. What, one of my, uh, one of my games sequenced, it was, it was kind of a neat sequencing thing, because I'm like, ooh, this is kind of cool. So, I went turn one wave, uh, Bashra, Bashra, you know, turn two, turn two, Bashra three, and then I played one drop, one drop, and flipped it back over. Huh. And he's like, he's a control deck. And he's just like, you know, land go. And I went, you know, attack with my guys, land tangle wire. Oh. Go. Oh. And it's like, tap my lands. All right. Reflip it. Back to action again. So back that was. Back again. That was, that was pretty sweet. Yep. So we, we won that game. Nice. Shocking. I know. Nice. But, oh, God, I love that card. That card's nice. I've, I've recently been. Falling re in love with Frenzy Goblin. It was a card I took out of my cube and then was like, all right, let's bring it back in. And then it just has been doing a lot, which is. Well, I know you like what's his name a lot, the the Dash one, right? Oh, yeah, Hillcutter? Yeah, that guy's dumb. Yeah. That guy's real good. I was like, all right, let's, uh, let's dash it out. Dash it out again. Good old, good old one drops. Yeah, that could, uh, yeah, but Reckless Wave is just. Granted, its value goes down significantly as the game goes on. As far as being able to play it, but that's not what it's made for. Yeah, it's made about the late game. Come on, right? It's like you know what else is not good in the late game? Jackalpop. <laughs> like here's my six drop finisher. You're like, all right, sweet. Oh look, Jackalpop. <laughs> well, I remember that was like the trope for a long time against you know Jackalpop type of cards. It's like, well, they suck on turn seven. It's like, so, <laughs> right? So, so yeah. Anyway, quick quick plug for uh, the waif. Because, you know, once again, it's one of those grown-worthy cards. It's like Mountain Reckless Wave. Ugh. Go. That's <laughs> right. Go. It's like, play and go. You're like, ah. I wish there were more, like, good werewolves. It, it, it's unfortunate that it was just a red-green thing. Right. It was like, man, I wish... Imagine, like, a black werewolf. Well, I guess that would be about the same. <laughs> it would just be in a different color. <laughs> 
Oh, well, I guess yeah. that could be cool with like uh, discard. Well, yeah, all thought sees you. I think the uh, what's his name guy is fine. The the guy that gives all humans plus one plus one. Oh yeah, mayor. Flip them, yeah, mayor of Everbrook. Yeah. Kenny Mayor of Everbrook. Yeah, good old Kenny Mayor. Shout outs to Kenny Mayor. Yeah, wherever he may be. I, I talked to a, a good my, uh, a good friend of both of ours, Matt, at, at Vegas briefly. And someone else I didn't know was there until literally five minutes before I was leaving. I was like, oh, my God, Matt. Uh, and he's like, yeah, Kenny's uh, Kenny's mostly disappeared from, from the earth. Really? So, yeah, they don't, they don't see him a whole lot anymore. I mean, he's busy. He's, you know, he's living his life. He's good. Yeah. Doesn't, you know, it's just not in magic. That's all. Well, Which is like- good. Could be like Ali Antrazi, like disappear and then just come back full. Time. Right, <laughs> come back when the Invitational get yeah, wrecked. Like, win Invitational, it's like all right. Yeah, Ali's a. I, it couldn't happen to a nicer person, by the way. Ali yeah. is so sweet. Yeah, he's he's definitely good people. So, all right, any uh, any any last minute plugs here before we uh, call it call it quits? In theory, I should have a. Um, well, I did an article, I think I talked about it last time, I don't know if I referenced it, about expansion packs for Cube. Mm-hmm. It's on Gathering Magic. I'll link to it in the show notes, but, um, you know, talking about, you know, essentially not just like, hey, here's a bunch of cards that you can use to accommodate for more people, but what mm-hmm. that can actually do for your Cube. And I, I thought that went pretty well. It's on Gathering Magic. And, mm-hmm. and I'm going to update the Popper Cube list, like I said, in theory, tonight. In reality, I don't know. I've been meaning to do it for a while, and you know, some people like basing theirs off mine. I kind of have a responsibility to do it, so sure, yeah, might as well. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited for for how it's lately been. That popper cube has been, and nothing really else. Just I talk on Twitter about cube and just like random nonsense. Sure, mainly magic related. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> Yeah. Same for me. One of these days, yeah, maybe this will hopefully inspire me to finish up my uh, article and my video article about the uh, uh, cube bench, since we're talking about making cuts and things like that too. Uh, I, I do have one of those in the works, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Anthony42 on Twitter. You can hit me up there. There's also the uh, and, and I, I'm hoping you will start using it some too, which is the uh, the Third Power Cast uh, Twitter account. Yeah, I was actually thinking I need to install TweetDeck. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I was thinking, like, if I install TweetDeck, I'm going to start doing that. I actually was kind of thinking about that today before I actually had a laptop scare where I thought my laptop was going to, like, dead, and I thought we weren't able to actually record today because it was, like, a brief power surge at the house, you know, just, like, mm-hmm. like lights went out and, you know, just went out and everything came back on, like, okay. And then my computer wasn't turning back, and I was like, uh, what, 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 what? And it turns out it was just a power you know, power pack, and I thought I had it plugged in a surge protector, but I didn't. So I've since replaced the power protector, or the uh, the sur- whatever the power pack, and then promptly plugged it into a surge protector. Mm-hmm. But I thought I lost everything, like you know, all my cube data and recording software. I was like, I think I texted him like, I'm not going to be able to do this, right? Because <laughs> my laptop screwed up, and I was like, I was like, this is awful. And then that didn't end up happening, which is awesome. I don't know how to, oh, because like shortly before then, I was thinking I need to install TweetDeck, and then my laptop, quote unquote, died, and I was like, oh, well, can't do that. So right. I'm gonna, I don't know, probably do it tomorrow. Get that third power podcast, so I'll just probably tweet about just random crap like I used to on about Cube, except random crap about Cube, like 
recently asked on Twitter, did you see the new cards, like the Menace guy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the three mana, three, two mm-hmm. Menace? I was like, is this better than, uh, whatever, Blood Ogre or, you know, those other three mana, three threes? And I think somebody was like, why not both? I'm like, I'm not replacing one. I just, I'm just thinking which one's better. It's like, I have no idea. So, I don't know. I'm proxying, I proxied one up for tomorrow's cube draft, so hopefully that'll be in the packs. Because, I don't know. I don't feel like seeding it in just for a card. Right. So, I don't know. I'm pretty excited about that. I have my uh, lists on Cube Tutor. So. Yeah, one of these days I'll get through. When I'm finished all making all my cuts and doing all that kind of stuff, I think I'm going to uh, finally make it a point to upgrade and update all my lists and photographs and all that kind of stuff. So... I, that, that's kind of one of my projects here for for the summer is to try to get all that stuff updated because you know I get plenty of people who ask you know hey you know you have an updated list and I'm like eh, kind yeah. and like I do have like a spreadsheet but even that's you know that's not as out of date as my cube tutor one but it's out of date enough that it's probably real embarrassing. I do a lot of like small changes week by week. So it's it probably I probably should just do the cube, the changes on there, but I just don't, and it's like all right, and it just and now my cube tutor list is so out of date, right? That I tend to just like all right, here's new set, and then it kind of gives the impression that it's like this grand decree of just like I think these cards aren't good, and these are, and it's like no, that's definitely not the case at all, right? So, yeah, that's <laughs> soapbox. Yeah, that's that's my soapbox. <laughs> All right, that's it. I actually have nothing else after that. All right, sweet. Well, if there's nothing else, I guess there's only uh, one thing left to do. It's true. Rock over London. Rock on Chicago. Fallen empires. As the empires fall, a dark age begins. See you guys next time. All right. See you for fallen empires dollar packs. Woo. <laughs> I have some fallen empires packs. Oh, you do? I certainly do. I have, like, two or three Fallen Empires packs and a couple of Homelands packs. I keep them in the same drawer as my, like, unopened Worldwake packs and Mercadian Masks packs and uh, Zendikar packs and Innistrad packs. <laughs> like, yeah, I have, like, a little, like, uh, one of the shelves in my card catalog where I keep all my cards, or a lot of my cards, I should say. I, I basically buy lottery ticket packs a lot. So when I see them for cheap, I, uh, I'll just buy them and throw them in there. So I have, like, you know, like, three onslaught packs i have like three or four uh uh what's his name packs uh uh mercadian masks packs are those worth a lot now i i don't know they have like the potential for foil ports and, and rashad ports and stuff like that in them yeah. uh, i have like 12 world wake packs i think oh wow which i saw at the grand prix were selling for like 25 dollars each what oh the jace lottery i guess yeah and, you know, Stoneforge Mystic. How much is that now? Yeah, regular Stoneforges, I think, are 20 25 That's not bad. Well, ones are multiple hundreds, I think. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, I, I keep a bunch of packs like that. Yeah, and also in that drawer are uh, Fallen Empires and Hellblinds packs. Just saying. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty nice, I know. All ends of the spectrum. I guess we're going to try to start recording on a regular clip now that, you know. Yeah, we have, we have a, a, a day scheduled, and, and we're... We'll see what we can do about sticking to a schedule. Yeah. Now that, you know, it's summer for me, so my schedule lightens up quite a bit. So uh, hopefully we can have a, a summer, uh, the, the summer of 
uh, cubing. So I like it. The summer of cubing. So yeah, thanks for thanks for recording. Hey, no problem. Always a pleasure. And uh, well, we'll do it again soon. Yeah. All right. See ya. We'll be right back.